This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. And the best part about podcasts is they create a 25th hour in the day. Whenever I'm commuting, metro, car, even when I'm riding my bike around town, although in that case, one earphone only, safety kids, I'm always listening to podcasts. And this offseason, you can get all the insights, all the news, all the analysis, and Logan and I occasionally make a joke or two in the Take Command podcast on demand so it fits in to your busy schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your pods. It's time to Take Command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Take a Man podcast from Odyssey Sports. I'm Craig Hoffman. He is Logan Paulson. And joining us later in the pod, Mark Schlereth will be here. He's got the call on Fox this weekend with my guy, Adam Amin. So we'll talk to Stink coming up in about 20 minutes. Right now, though, Logan, uh, the question, the magical question. Can the Washington Commanders defense, under Ron Rivera's simplified scheme and play calling, do anything to stop the most high-powered offense in the NFL. This is terrifying to look at. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there are some things you can do. I think, so obviously, I think we talked on Monday, Tuesday, and I was yeah. like, this is gross. Because like, I start with I start with explosive plays, and Miami has more explosive plays running the football, passing the football than anybody else in the NFL. And when you watch those plays, you're just like, how did they scheme this up so dramatically? And when you watch them against teams that aren't very good, you're like, this is this is a nightmare. There's people running everywhere. The, there's misdirection. There's ball fakes. There's jet sweeps. There's play action. Quarterback with his back to the defense. There's just so many different ways that they kind of mess with your eye discipline and make it really, really challenging. But if you look at the teams that have beat them, I think there is a formula that they laid out. Now, <clears throat> they lost to the Buffalo Bills early this season. And the Buffalo Bills – at this time, we're like at the peak of their powers. Like Milano's healthy, all their linebackers are healthy, the, right. sec- the secondary is healthy. And so one of the things I noticed, and I think that this is something you got to understand about Miami's offense, is that Miami's offense is like a true, 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 true West Coast offense. It's really heavily based on quick game. They find their shots off of play action. Very similar to Kyle, but instead of like Kyle and San Francisco being kind of this like almost brutish offense where you've got a fullback we're pounding where we got extra tight ends in where we're very physical up front it's a little bit more finesse and speed based obviously in miami and so what 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 you, what you see though is that with buffalo is they were just like we're going to be a little bit more aggressive in terms of pressing and i think that's takes a lot of courage to do that but you're a little bit more aggressive in terms of pressing you bring a little bit more pressure 
And what you see is that it just disrupts the rhythm of that offense enough where if two has got to hold the football, like the best kept, kept secret in football right now, no one's really talking about it except for like really deep analytics, like offensive line guys is Miami has a bad offensive line. So if you can kind of get past that 2.3 seconds to release the football, like if you can make him hold it for a beat longer, you're going to get a pressure or a sack. So when you watch Buffalo, they did a good job of that. When you watch Philly, they did a good job of that. When you watch Kansas City, they did a good job of that. And they were they totally stymied that offense. And those linebackers, each team's linebackers did an excellent job running fast to the football. They stopped the run. Because unlike Kyle, who I think has a little bit more of a, a belief, a foundational belief in running the football, Mike will get away from it a little bit. you know. And I think if you can get him away from it and make them throw the football and do what we just described – I think you're you can be in an okay spot. Now, the question is like, how do you do that? Obviously, like this team over the last couple of weeks has not been great in pressing situations. They don't press a ton. They don't create pressure very well. Like all those different things. So, what I would say is, find something you feel very comfortable with. Like we talked about, whatever last podcast. Find something yeah. they they believe in. Say this is what our goal is today. Take away that first throw, and let's heat these guys up or play some type of line stunt and create some pressure that way. And I think. I think that's the way to do it. Sounds easier uh, said than done. Obviously. Way easier said than done, Craig. Um, but you know, but you asked for how we're going to do it. That's my that's, answer. That's the that's the the best guess. Um, I do think though that Mike McDaniel. Here's here's some really high level analysis, Logan. Mike McDaniel is very smart. He's and very smart. I would imagine that Mike McDaniel watches the tape of Washington trying to stop the run and just goes. <laughs> we're going to run the crap out of the ball this week. And so maybe it's not a foundational belief every week for him, but I would have to imagine if I'm Mike McDaniel this week that I am just, I'm super dedicated to the run and we're just, no, we're not going to expose Tua. We don't need to. We're just going to hand the ball to our super fast guys and we're going to let them get these big runs. And, you know, even going back to last year and watching like what San Francisco did, Mike was, was there yeah. Uh, or no, this is no, this is his second year in Miami. Two but, years ago, yeah, uh, you know when he saw what Ray Ray McLeod did on that big reverse with San Francisco last year. Like Mike knows how to install that play. Why not run it with Tyree Kill? Like I think there's going to be a they, ton of misdirection, a ton of game plan style runs, and they're just going to continue to call them until Washington proves they can stop them, which they haven't done for two years. So yeah, don't get it twisted. They're excellent at running the football, and like when they have those game plan runs. Like you said, they have Moster, and I think the guy that really makes that run game go that's kind of been quiet because he's been hurt is uh, A-Chain, uh, number yeah. 20, 28, whatever number he is. Yeah. And he is a really fast guy. Well, one of the really fast guys. Yeah, he's impressive, man. His contact balance, his vision, when you get him into space, he's absolutely deadly. Like He might be the best space player in that offense outside of Tyreek Hill. And so if he's healthy, like I really would get nervous because every time he touches the football seemingly on film, it's an explosive play. And we're not talking like, oh, here's a nice 10-yard run. It's like, here's a 70-yard run against the Bills. Here's a 70-yard run against uh, against the the Broncos, right? They, they, they're all over the film with him. And that's a really scary pro uh, proposition to me. And the way and the types of runs and the way they attack the edges of offenses and the way they create angles to the second level is beautiful. It's like awesome. And he put those guys in really good positions to be successful. And that's one of the reasons why in my opinion, no one talks about the offensive line being bad because they work really hard to put those guys in good spots, right? Tua gets the ball out of his hand quick. They find good angles in the run game. And so to me, what you're describing 
is probably what I would do. I think they probably should run the ball a little bit more. They should uh, invest in that process a little bit more dramatically um, because they are really good at it and they, they create explosive plays. And unlike most run games where you're kind of like, okay, this is going to be a three-yard run, four-yard run, like we're talking 10, 15, 20-yard runs here when they're, when they're at their best <clears throat> and when they're, when they're playing really, really well, man, you're talking about explosive plays for any offense in the NFL. So I agree. I think you just got to sit with that a little bit more if you're Mike. So don't, so don't get it twisted. Like, even though he gets away from it a little bit, like they're still dynamic. They still are explosive. They still work really hard to find those run lanes. It's just in terms of like comparing him to Kyle, who is there, it's the same offense. It's just a, a preference from a play calling standpoint. I'm, I'm kind of pointing out there. Yeah, no, for sure. And then you get to the pass game uh, where Tyree Killer and Jalen Waddle are running Gross. like crazy all it's over gross. the place. How much, like, is it the same well-designed schematic stuff just enhanced with speed or do they yeah. win with speed? And that's that's kind of the secret. Is the, it doesn't really matter what they call it. They just run past you. So, I mean, I was watching, going through the plays like you do. I was watching the, the Jets game. I was watching some games from earlier season. The way that Tyree Kill like, gets into the defense is like – it's ridiculous. It's like so crazy watching him. And then so you get like the one play I'm thinking of. Um, I did actually it in the the command center breakdown, which is a show that comes out on Thursdays on the commander's YouTube page is it's like a heavy, heavy play action, heavy play action, all this dramatic movement in the backfield, Tyree kill behind the guy. And it basically plays like quick game, like on a drift, you know, but he's so he gets there so fast. Even if the linebacker sees it, he can't get there. It almost feels uncoverable. And so that's one thing about the the um, the Buffalo game that was really impressive is this, those linebackers were like, it's not a run. I am like beelining to this drift spot. And they'd get to it to like do a little pump. Their their line is good at creating pressure. So like the strain on that middle line, on that on the linebackers in general, the middle level of the defense is so high with the scheme that they run. Because like we talked about how good their run game is. And we talked about, you know, like the schematic advantages that they create and cultivate. And those guys just have to be super dialed in. So that's one area that I'm not overly confident with the commanders, not because I don't think the guys can't do it, but I just think they have a lot of responsibility that makes it really challenging. So they do that. They'll scheme you up. They'll find space. They attack space really well. And then, like, I was watching the Jets game, and they are literally just running like Patriots. So, like, a five-yard out, um, a box fade by number two, and then a sit by the outside guy in a three-by-one. And they ran it to Tyreek Hill, and he just ran right by the DB for an explosive play off of a quick game. And they're like, oh, we like that play. Let's run it again to the other side to Waddle. Here's an explosive play to Waddle off a quick right. game. So they do present all of these really tough looks offensively. And again, if you can get them to hold the ball for a beat, the O-line can't hold up. And I think even with this group, I think with Payne and Allen inside, I think they can create pressure. But it's about that. That's that big if. Can you get them to just say, I don't know. And then the rush gets home. It's just yeah. that's the question, the million dollar. But if but if you can't do that, if if he's getting the ball out of his hand quick, you're not in coverage. Or like, if you if you don't get pressure and he can run around and extend plays, they're gonna dice you up, dead. bro. Dice yeah. you up. Um, I that's the one thing that I'm most looking forward to from Ron this week is like, can you find some ways to generate pressure? Can you move the line around? Can you move people around? Can you run some stunts, some games? Right. Um, it's something he used to do in Carolina. It's something they've done a terrible job of that we've talked about the last couple of years in this defense. Um, and, and hopefully that changes this week. 
Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Take a man podcast from Odyssey Sports. Logan Paulson there, Craig Hoffman here. We will be at Tap Sports Bar, MGM National Harbor. To preview this game coming up on Sunday, doors open at 11. Show starts at 10. So whether you are coming hang out with us in person or you are just listening or watching uh, the radio, Odyssey app, YouTube, uh, make sure that you check us out on Sunday morning. Okay, the offense for Washington I would love to see them generate some big plays themselves. That has been the thing that has been missing the last couple of weeks. This Miami defense doesn't get talked about a lot because the offense gets talked about ad nauseum, uh, but they're, they've got some, some really talented guys and they've been playing pretty well on that side of the ball as well. Yeah, 100%. I think, you know, they were, they were kind of okay. And then Jalen Ramsey came back and they were, were really good. You know, they, they got a guy that understands that scheme at a high level and he's playing good football. And then they've got some, like Howard on the other side is a good football player. Holland in the back end at the safety. And they've got guys, those, all those guys I just mentioned, have tremendous ball skills. And one thing about a Vic Fangio defense is they are going to play coverage. They're going to kind of dare you to run the football. And they have guys that understand what they're doing back there really, really well. And they can disguise coverage as well. Their man looks like they're six. Their six looks like they're three. And they're always going to – the one thing I would say is constant with this group is that they do a really good job of making sure they have numbers in coverage situations. So you got three receivers, they're going to have four defenders. you got two receivers, they're going to have three, right? They're always going to be a little bit light and run support because of it, but their defensive line's been playing really good, specifically Wilkins inside is one of the best def- interior defensive players in the NFL. And um, they do a good job of creating pressure with four. And they do blitz a lot on third down. They bring some exotic stuff and make it challenging. But when I look at, uh, and I think Jalen Phillips being out number fifteen for yeah. them is a big, yeah, big loss a, for them last week. Went down in that uh, that Black Friday game, and obviously that's tough for them. You know, I feel bad for Jalen, but obviously that's good for the Commanders because he was a big reason they were able to consistently generate pressure. Um, so yeah, it, it's going to be tough. I think for Sam, this is like one of the tougher defenses. You know, kind of. The, you know, Vic Fangio is the godfather of modern defense, essentially, over the last probably five or six years. So right. he's really good at it. And they're really and he's got guys who are really good at it. And it's going to be a challenge for Sam, quite frankly, to to make sure he's dialed in. Every defense has some sort of weakness, though, or a, a potential exposure area. What is it like when, when teams attack a Vic Fangio defense successfully? Where are they able to to tear it apart? Yeah, I mean, it's been interesting because they've done really good jobs against good football teams. They held Kansas City, I think, to uh, 21 points, something like that. Um, Lots of defensive scores. They held Philly, I think, to 24. Like, they do a good job, man. They're they're really good. And what I'd say in terms of exposure is uh, he's he's daring you to run the ball. 
he's daring you to do it. So run the ball, get them out of those complicated coverage structures in the back end, force them to declare what they're showing you, and then pick them apart. I think it's kind of a mistake, at least I would think right now. And again, I haven't watched as much film as EB has, but I would think it's a mistake to try and throw the fo- come out throw like throwing the football the way that they've done the past couple of weeks. I think you want to slow this game down, possess the football, run the heck out of the ball. And again, and you know, we've talked about our beliefs on running the football, running the football, converting on converting on first down or third down, excuse me, is going to be a big part of this game. But I think that's something you really want to see. Efficient running. Don't go crazy throwing the ball out the gate because you need to simplify what they're doing defensively and then try to stay out of third down because they, they get even more exotic on third down. So um, this is a very good defense, very disciplined defense, well-coached defense. Not um, It's not like the Giants, which is like this crazy, you know, it's it's challenging in a different way. It's challenging in its nuance. It's challenging in the pictures it presents. So I think it's going to be a really, really interesting barometer for Sam, especially after we were talking about kind of all the things we want to see from him. Like, can you read coverages? Can you mm. get through your progressions? And there'll be an opportunity to do this. But just remember, these dudes that I just mentioned, the, the DBs specifically, are excellent at disguising it and excellent at passing stuff off and ex- excellent at executing it. So. Did you have coaches that when you played a team with a bunch of ball hawks would like basically tell you to be or tell the quarterbacks to be more risk averse or do you have to let guys play? Because I feel like that's a fine line yeah. it, when you, you know, it, it's a little bit of a, hey, uh, don't think about a pink elephant, you know, type of thing where if you're like, hey, be really careful, they'll intercept you. You get too cautious and you don't see something that you're supposed to because you're not playing free. You're not reading it out. You're not going through your process with the mental clarity that you typically would. But at the same time, you do need to be extra cautious and maybe think twice about throwing that deep ball because the chances of an interception versus just an incompletion are a little bit higher. Um, but you also don't want, again, miss opportunities. So there's this constant seesaw balance. So uh, against a super aggressive ball hawking type of defense, how did, how did your coaches typically handle that? So, yeah, usually you'd say it depends on who it is. But like... Um you know, they'd probably make reference to a guy that's got a bunch of interceptions and the duration and the type of interceptions that he's had. And when I say duration, like when were they? Were they early in the season? Were they late in the season? Probably go over the type of plays they were on. And then they'll tell you whether they think they're legitimate interceptions or not. And I think that's always something that is really interesting when it comes to that stuff. It's like when the coach says these aren't real, like it's a tip pass or the receiver fell down. Like we don't think he's that good. Like Trayvon Diggs, when he was a rookie, he had a couple picks. I think he had six picks. I remember Kyle was like, he has six picks, but we're going to dice this guy up. You know, like, and that was his like approach. So like, it didn't matter to him. The picks didn't matter at all. He's like, we're going to make him be a rookie. And then there's other guys who are like, oh, like Jalen Ramsey's got five picks and, you know, he gave up a touchdown last week, but like, we're going to be aware where he's at on the field. And, you know, like quarterback, don't stress about it, but we're going to make sure we, we kind of have a vision on what what he's doing, and we're going to concept, we're going to we're going to call concepts to make sure we're not we're, we're not putting you in a bad spot, you know. So the quarterback doesn't have to worry about it, but definitely the coaching staff's aware of it if if they deem the guy um, talented enough, I guess. Yeah, definitely. It's going to be interesting to see what they do because I, I think that there is probably a desire to generate some of those big plays down the field that they haven't had. But at the same time, like you said, just being smart, running the football, you know, keeping because the other thing, too, is like the game flow situation, I feel like is so important because Miami Uh is so explosive. And if they just get out ahead and it's not like some teams where if they start running the football too early, like you can get back into the game. Like if Miami starts running it, like I almost feel like that's game over. I almost rather them try to pass the ball and dink and dunk it and 
see if you can frustrate them and tackle in space. Although, you know, obviously there's no, the problem with Miami is there's no good answers. You're just, you're just facing a juggernaut in all phases. And that's why they're one of the best teams in football. And they, they are extremely balanced in all facets. Like there's not a great area to attack them with your offense. And they are very good running and passing with their offense. And that just, Makes for a long day unless you're their equal, which is why they've only yeah. lost to some of the best teams in the league. Yeah, 100%. And I also think the other thing you see in the, in the Bills game and the Eagles game is turnovers. Turnovers hurt them. And it was yeah. fumbles when uh, in the Bills game. And, you know, Raheem, I played with him in San Fran, and he is as explosive as you can think of, right? He's one of the most explosive guys in football. He's yeah, awesome, Most you're talking about, yeah. Yeah, sorry. And um, But he does fumble the ball. He, like, that's been an issue since I've known him. I, I played with him when he was, a, like, a second year in Chicago. I was with him, and that was something they always talked about with him, like protecting the ball, protecting the ball. So you can get some there, right? And Tua yeah. has been pretty fastidious with the football, but he's also made some kind of bad decisions. Like, if you look at the Philly game, the reason they win that game is because they get a late – Philly gets a late interception in the red zone, and then Jalen Hurts and that Philly offense possess the football, and they win the game. So capitalize on those moments. I think they had two. They had two turnovers against Kansas City or something like that. So mm-hmm. that's a huge part of this, and and I hate that as analysis because the question is how do you create those turnovers? You know what right. I'm saying? And that's where Ron has to earn his paycheck. But I do think when you look at offensively, like there is a roadmap, and I think it's – it's a little bit more simplistic when you really look at it. It's like take away the first read, compress the throwing window and make them hold the football a little bit. And that, and it seems like that's, Oh, that's very common. But in this case, because the O line is so inconsistent, like you can get some good stuff happening off of that. So I do think there's a path, but like you said, I think this defense has not played very well. You know, they haven't stopped the run. Well, they haven't defended the pass. Well, so is that something haven't gotten pressure? Is they, that don't, something... they don't press. So, right. like, it's asking them to do a bunch of stuff that they haven't done. The path might be there, but, uh, by the way, also you slip up and you, you try to press and you're on Tyree Kill and then you miss one tackle on well, a slant and good night. That was another thing that really stood out to me is the reliance of these teams on their safeties in these games. You could see the corners, like, talking and pointing and waving guys over, and and it's the, the communication level was so high. They're so aware of what they're having to do here because they're up – pretty tight they're not pressing all the time but they're within five yards they're trying to take away that slant they're trying to take away the five yard out all that kind of stuff and so they're really relying on those guys in the back end to make them right and to again to this kind of general point you know percy has done some good things the last three weeks he's also given up some big plays right Right. so can they can this simplified defense that ron has been talking about allow these guys to play fast and be in the right position Big if, big if yeah, for sure. Big if, and there's only have one week to install it, so uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, we'll talk about all this and more with Mark Schlereth next here on Take Command. Continuing on Take Command with Mark Schlereth, friend of the show. Although, Mark, first time we get you with Paulson, just ready for you two to bang some helmets <laughs> right, and uh, right. get going. Yeah, yeah, it's wait. exciting. Uh, so I wanted to talk to you first, Mark. I know I know you spend so much time grinding the tape, and um, I think you have a great perspective uh, when we have you on because like we spend a lot of time watching Washington, but then right. you spend a lot of time watching Washington because you call their games and you have an interest here, but you also watch everyone else that you cover week in and week out for Fox. Uh, and you're obviously local there in Denver as well. When you look at, at this defense and ultimately Jack Del Rio getting fired after last week's game, and you look at the issues that they've had, 
do you see those as schematic personnel? Obviously, there's probably going to be some mix of both, but like, what's right. the balance there in, in what you've seen? Well, I think I think the biggest thing, you know, for me is the number of explosives given up, um, and Washington leads the league in explosive plays. And at la- last year, I don't know if they led it for the entire league, but I know the first eight or nine weeks they were number one in explosives given up as well. Those things, those things to me are, you know, kind of part and parcel of both uh, from a, you know, from a talent level or from a, a player level, but also probably more on the schematic standpoint of things. Um, when I watch teams make mistakes, when I watch teams get beat over the top, when I watch teams constantly give up big plays, that to me is guys not understanding what their responsibilities are. And oftentimes that comes with too much on your plate. You're asking somebody to do too much or um, you haven't minimized the menu to a point where guys can play fast and guys can play hard. And uh, listen, anything from a, a player's perspective to me is the more I have to think, the, the slower the game goes for you as a player. And I want things to be simplified. I want to simplify things for myself. And I want to be able to play at a, you know, incredibly fast pace. And it gets to one of those things like I, it doesn't need to be perfect. It never is perfect, right? So many coaches, I think, get concerned with, hey, we've got the perfect adjustment to this. And like part of it is, hey, man, if they get us with this, they get us. Like, but I just want to line up and play hard and play fast. And I think especially today's day of the NFL where there are so many adjustments and so many formations and so many motions and shifts and all that stuff. Uh, you can get, you can get mesmerized with all the periphery stuff and not be ready to get punched in the mouth. And, and, that, and that to me is football in its essence. And when I watch them, I just see them make, you know, big play like in, in that giants game, they had five sacks in the first quarter. They had, I think, eight total sacks and a bunch of tackles for losses. Yet they still found a way to give up, you know, six or seven explosive p- plays in the passing game and several touchdowns in the passing game. Where you're just like, like, what are you doing? Like, like you give up a wheel route to the to Saquon Barkley, and you're like, dude, you got to play that high to low. You can't jump on the out part of that. Like, you've got to be able to say, hey, we'll give up that four yards or that five yard out. Uh, to make sure you don't get us big time over the top with a with a rookie quarterback who, you know, let's face it, is is questionable. So, I, like all those things, that's a very long winded answer. I apologize, but no, no, I mean that's why you're here, man. And then, so the thing I would say is like you know as a player, and probably you know like in your experiences, how do you walk that line of of being kind of that in that sweet spot of saying we are complex enough that we handle right. other things. This is gonna be that's gonna be presented. But we're not making the guys overthink, and like especially this week versus Miami, Ron's coming in putting a new like not a new system in, but got to kind of probably simplify a little bit. Where's that line for you, and like what it, what's the expectation for Ron coming to this game? Yeah, you know, interestingly enough, and I had these conversations um, all the time. I remember us putting in a play um, when I was in Denver. And it was a a bend back play. It was an automatic, you know, tight zone, bend back the opposite way. And, you know, we're going to trap the outside guy. And it it was designed to be, it wasn't a normal, 
you know, we're running 14, 15 weak or 14, 15 yeah. strong, and we're going to bend it back. It was a design. So you don't want to let guys cross your face, you know, and then wheel them out. And the coaching staff put it in and they were like, okay, we're going to run, for instance, it was going to be 14, 15 bend. So if we went 14, 15 bend, we were going to go, we're going to run like we're going to run, they would call it 15 bend. But we would run it to the 14 side and bend back to the, to the Ooh, you know, to the left confusing. side, yeah. right? And and I'm like, I told the coaches in the meeting, I go, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. <laughs> like, and they're like, no, 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 because we're running. Eventually, we want to get to the to the left side, so we're gonna go. We're gonna, and I go, no, no, no. If you're gonna call that, we just call it 14 bend. We're gonna go back to the opposite side. And I argued literally with with my coach. And our coordinator, I argued for 10 minutes and I said, listen, that I have to think about that. And if I have to think about that, like at least one of our fullbacks and one of our tight ends and, and somebody else is going to screw this thing. I guarantee you we're going to have three or four busts. And mark my word, we'll have a bust or two. And sure enough, we go to the practice. We bust it three times. And the coaches go, okay, now it's called 14 band, right? <laughs> but sometimes you got to listen to your players, right? Because we're right. the ones that have to go out on the field and execute it. And just little things like that that let you play fast, that let you play on pace. And as, as a player, I thought it was always important to have that give and take. When a coach installs something, say, I get, I get the concept, right? And I see how that works on a grease board. But let me tell you how it works in a game. And you've got to have that level of respect and you've got to be able to have, you know, and it's, it's not one of those, we're not, we, we fight about it, but it's, it's one of those things from a mutual respect standpoint. And so I think sometimes your players have to let the coaches know that, Hey man, this is, this one is, it doesn't make sense in my head, right? right. It's, I, I can't simplify it enough. And the guys for me that have the great success in the league, like when I talk to quarterbacks around the league, guys who make it simple on themselves, like just can just can go, hey man, if I get a single high, essentially, man, I know if I get a single high safety, man, I'm throwing out to the edges, right? I got one on ones out to the edges, you know, I'm gonna throw a comeback or I got access to the outside. And if I get two highs, I'm gonna I'm gonna concentrate on on getting, you know, my number three receiver in a three by one formation matched up on the middle linebacker. And like that's yeah, my best matchup, so I'm gonna throw it in the middle of the field. And guys that just have an ability to make the game super simple for themselves like that, it's like those guys play fast, and I think you as a coach need to make it that way uh, on your players, to make it that simple. And, you know, you, then, you, then you make it complex by motioning guys and moving guys and, and getting into different personnel groupings and making people communicate, but at the essence, it's just a really simple game. Yeah, no, I, I hear you on that and something we've talked about a lot uh, in terms of this defense and where it feels like there's confusion. It's also a line we've talked about with the commander's offense and, uh, you know, how much is on Sam Howell's plate? What, what's the, you know, what's Eric Bannemi doing uh, to make Sam Howell's job easier? Uh, we, I feel like I'd asked you this basically same exact question, you know, five weeks ago or whenever it was when mm -hmm. last time you had these guys for Fox. But what have you seen from... Sam and Eric and how their relationship has evolved in this, you know, middle third of the season? Well, I, I, I will certainly say they have definitely got under center more, which I think is important um, because I think that it's really hard to re to run hard play action stuff out of gun. Um, you know, you don't get any, you don't, you know, I was talking to Luke Keekley last week because, you know, we were talking about gun versus gun runs, gun, you know, play action versus under center. And 
Um, Luke would always say, hey, man, there is no suck factor in shotgun. We, we don't get sucked up. Like, we will play that from high to low. So I can still hit all my drops and take away your intermediate routes, which is really what you're trying to get. Like, you're trying to get that that low cross. You know, you're trying to get that intermediate route, that, that, uh, that basic. You're trying to hit those intermediate routes by sucking up those linebackers or the safety that's rolled into the box, get them to step up, and now I'm over their heads in front of safeties or in front of corners. And that's really where you're trying to attack. Well, there's no suck factor in shotgun, you know, where you, 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 you catch it and then you do this and everybody and their brother's uncle can see it. And so they're playing that as a defensive player from, from a high to low plane. And um, in play action, especially in hard play action, you want them to suck up so that you can get them over the top. And so like it, I see them under gun or out of gun and under center a little bit more than they've been in the past. The one touchdown drive they had against the Cowboys, um, there were, I think it was a 15-play drive that had eight plays uh, under center and seven plays in gun. Like that was, that was not part of their offense um, five weeks ago. So I, I, like, I like some of that stuff. I think that's, that's good. I still think you've got a young quarterback and he has to play the majority of the game, almost the entirety of the game on the high dive. And I just think that's a mistake. Like, I think when you ask a guy to be in charge of everything, um, to throw the ball with the frequency that you throw the ball with almost 70% of the time they're throwing the football, um, I don't think there's a lot of opportunities for that guy to have a breather. So I think it's important to give your quarterback some mental reps off, if you will, um, and some physical reps off where you just turn around and we're going to get into, you know, we're going to get into solo, um, you know, solo formate, like solo two tight end solo, you know, I, I write or solo, I write or whatever, however you call it. Right. So you got two tight ends, you got a fullback, you got a tailback and I'm just going to turn around and hand it off, uh, you know, 18 handoff force or whatever. And I don't have to think about like moving guys around and I don't have to think about motions and I don't have to think about matchups and where's my best matchup. And we're getting a three by one. Are they in a single high safety? Do I have a nice shot over here to my X receiver? I, I don't have to think about any of that stuff. I'm just going to turn around, hand it all, hand the ball off. Um, and I think that that's important to take some of those mental reps off the quarterback's plate. And I think sometimes I look at them and, um, you know, I, I've used this analogy before, but it's like going to a picnic and you go to a picnic and all the food looks amazing, but you got those cheap little Dixie plates and you load up your plate and you load up your plate and you load up your plate and all the potato salad, all the chicken, all the, you know, and then you're trying to walk back to the thing and the plate folds in half and half of your food falls on the ground, right? Like, that's what it is for a quarterback to be in charge of everything. All the, I got to call the protections. I got to change the protections. I got to re-identify the mic. I've got to, you know, call the, I got to call the formation. I got to make sure my guy, oh, my guy that broke the huddle and went to the wrong side. No, I got to flip you over. Like, there's a lot of mental gymnastics that go into that uh, as a quarterback. And, and I believe in a lot of the great offensive coordinators I've talked to um, find it imperative to give their quarterbacks breather plays and to say, hey, man, um, I'm going to give you three or four plays this drive where you don't have to think. And I think that's, imp I think that's important. It also allows you to just get on the ball 
and quick count somebody. Set up and you go and you just try to smash some people. And and then you start to understand the value of a two or three yard run. Like one of the things that I watch with Washington and the running backs in Washington right now is there are so many limited opportunities that every run needs to be a banquet. Sometimes you just need an hors d'oeuvre. Sometimes you just need yeah. an appetizer. Like sometimes I just need a nasty four-yard physical run. And what that does to slow down a pass rush, what that does, you know, to to affect the defense is amazing. But these guys are like, man, I'm a, I might only get eight chances. So all of a sudden you see, you know, I, I, I've watched Robinson where you got something blocked pretty well and – I always talk about entry points of the back, where you want, like inside hip of the tackle or inside hip of the right. tight end, depending on where you're running, like that entry point. And you hit that entry point, and if you just put your nose in there, you're going to get an ugly four, I mean an ugly four yards. But all of a sudden, I watch him bounce to the backside where guys are unblocked, and it's a one-yard game. And I think part of that is because you don't trust the fact that I'm going to get enough carries to eventually pop one. So you're trying to pop everyone. And to get people to over-pursue so you can cut back, you got to get them with that four, that three, that four, that five, that four, that five, then bam, out the backside. That's that's how you are effective in the run game. And I watch a bunch of running backs that are going to get six carries, and they're like, some bitch, I'm going to try to break every one of these, right? And that's right. not how the running game works. And that's a, that's a failure to me, a failure of, of play call. Yeah. Well, I think the other thing I want to kind of double click there is obviously like running the ball is important and you've got to watch some really good offenses over the course of the year. Yeah. How does Sam, you know, compare with some of these other young quarterbacks in your mind in terms of his development? Obviously, you know, like there's you mentioned the play calling, how you don't feel like that's maximized here necessarily. Sure. But like comparing him to like Brock Purdy or um, the kid down in Houston, like where those offenses are a little bit different. What do you see from Sam in comparing him to some of these other young players around the league? I, I really like Sam. I really like the way he spins the ball. I like the way he throws the ball. I think, um, I think the other like the other two guys that you mentioned have spent so much time over the course of their career uh, under center and working on you know the timing of the offense through the footwork that is required to you know to to throw the ball like. Uh, a couple of my quarterback buddies always say the uh, the timing of the offense is held in the quarterback's feet, mm. and and that's true. And you know this, man. If you're running a, a you know a, a flat curl combination, right? I mean, you hit a certain step in your you know in your progression. You hit the fifth step, bam! It's to the flat. If that's not open, you hitch up once. You throw it to the curl, right? It's that's the timing, and the footwork is imperative to be able to throw the ball on time. You cannot throw the ball in this league accurately or on time if your feet aren't correct. And here's an issue with quarterbacking coming out of college into the National Football League. Most of these kids grow up in seven-on-seven. Then they go to high school where they're in shotgun 100% of the time. Then they go to college and they're – like Bryce Young, the only time he was ever under center at University of Alabama is when they were in victory formation kneeling on the ball. And so the timing of your feet don't necessarily align with the routes and the route combinations that you're running. 
And I've had this conversation one-on-one with, with Sam Howell before, like my feet were awful. And it's been a, it's been a real work in progress here because that's all I've ever done has been in, in gun. And when you're in gun, especially gun in college, like what is completely covered in college is wide open in the national football league, wide open. Right. And so these guys don't have a lot of these kids don't have the footwork that that relates to being able to throw the ball on time. So you're a little bit late. And in in this league, if you're a little bit late, that's either a knockdown or a pick six or, you know, it's it. So those are the things that happen. And those are the things that he's really working on. He's definitely improved. But I would tell you that C.J. Stroud and Brock Purdy came from a situation where their footwork and their foot energy was much, much better Hmm. than that of Sam Howell, just simply because they had worked on it throughout their collegiate careers. Yeah, those are probably the two best young quarterbacks in the league right now. Guys drafted the last two years, like whether it's PFF grade, quarterback rating, QBR, touchdown interception ratio, like those guys are the top two in basically every single metric uh mark schlereth on the call this weekend for fox sports commanders and dolphins and of course make sure you do not miss the stinking truth podcast a fine odyssey podcast you you can listen to it on the free odyssey app uh especially worth checking out on a monday following a uh, game that mark calls for the commanders because he kind of unloads his notes from the production meetings and all that kind of stuff uh so conversations with ron rivera eric bienemy sam howell you get all the extra stuff that doesn't make the broadcast on a monday edition of the stinking truth mark always great to catch up man uh if we don't get you again before the end of the season let's definitely try to carve out some time in the off season safe travels here to dc and uh we'll see you this weekend at fedex sounds good guys my pleasure always great to catch up